I'm the underdog with the heroic card. I'm Eric Jones Jr. I have to keep pushing for my kids. If I give up, what's that leave them with? Nothing. I have to understand that it's bigger than me. That it's not about me when I wake up and go to work. It's not about me when I'm reading and educate myself. It's not about me when I'm practicing my speeches. It's not about me. It's about my family. Hey, 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 you're now tuned in to Underdog Talk. I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart. And I have conversations with successful underdogs. And today I have Nashawn Clay. How are you doing today? Pretty good. That's chilling. good. Yeah. Just chilling. Just chilling. That's what's up. You was in the library. Was you reading or was you studying? What was you doing over there? No, I, sometimes I just go to the library and just chill. Like, take, like, take those, honestly. I feel you. I, when I was a shorty, uh, we used to I always have to go to my grandparents' house in like winter, summer, fall, whatever. We always go to the library. And we never, like I'm a little older than you, so we never really like understood, like we was learning the internet. It was like right when the internet started. So we was going over there learning, but we were just playing. But yeah, that was our little safe spot over there, like going to the library. So before we get into today's um, conversation, today's episode is brought to you by Christian DeWine. That's my clothing line. Me and my son, we just dropped today, actually like 30 minutes ago, Underdog Talks like merchandise, like the official merchandise. We got t-shirts, hoodies, and we got like uh, the men's shirt that go down and curve a little bit. Um, Everything is on ChristianDeWine.com. Use the promo code Underdog Talk. You get 15% off. So I seen a Facebook post, I think maybe last week. it was about a young lady doing positive things. And this person looks super young, super duper young. And I'm like, who is this person? So I researched, went on YouTube, went on um, Instagram page. And I shared a post. And I'm like, hey, want to get on the podcast? She's like, oh, I'm waiting for you. And I like that because I'm kind of like the same way. Like, I'm kind of like, I see an opportunity to, like, use my voice on a platform. You want to reach out to a person, reach out to you. Like, hey, what's up? Can I get on or whatever? So... You're the leader of Brentwood. And for those uh, those people that are not from Indianapolis, explain Brentwood. All right, Brentwood, the full name, the whole complex is called Townsend's Condominium. Um, it's two streets, Brentwood and Mount Vernon. Brentwood is one way in and one way out. I grew up on I grew up on Brentwood, but I did live on Mount Vernon too. And Brentwood is just my childhood home, um, that I grew up in when I was growing up on forty second and Coast Road. So What's that? What's that environment like? Like, explain that a little bit before you get into your story, so people can know what that environment is like for a young person, or just for anybody that lives over there. Well, I, when I was growing up, um, I feel like Brentwood was like one of the best parts of my childhood because it was family everywhere around me. So it was not violent. It was nothing like that. We used to pack the fires and open. The um, ice cream truck used to come down. My uncle Steve we used to have a a van that he was selling candy and he would drive down like the ice cream truck. Um, we played at the park. Um, it was a safe environment, you know, but things changed. So right now it has its challenges, but I know that's not what Brentwood really stands for. I just know it's good and bad everywhere. Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely an area of USC, not like the wire, but kind of like the wire. Like for a young person, you don't want to see the violence, the drug dealing, the different stuff that goes on that you don't have to see. But like you said, like when you grow up in the hood, you grow up in those environments, like as a kid, it's fun. Like you got your homies, you got your family, you got cousins, y'all doing everything and you don't see 
nothing wrong with what's going on. But as you get older, you're like, dang, we was we were broke back then. Like we ain't really had too much. Like, oh wow, y'all was doing that as a kid, man. We were just happy to go over here and go there. So I know exactly. Like my family wasn't like that. Like we were like mid, mid, almost poor, but not poor. And but we used to go to my grandparents' house, and it's called the uh, old folks' home. So it was like being on the wire as like a seven, eight year old seeing crack kids doing all kind of crazy stuff. It was like. You just think about as a kid, like, I don't want to be like that. Like, uh, that just, something about that just ain't right. So I don't really, you know, I don't want to be like that. So tell us about your story. Tell us about, like, how you grew up as a kid and what led you to uh, be the leader, to be the voice of the young people, to want to change and be, like, that young person that, like, hey, we need to change. Like, not we ain't going to wait for the old person, we ain't gonna wait for the old head. We need to change right now. So what what did life look like for you? Like what made me wanna get on the journey? Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, I grew up around crack cocaine, violence and all that, but it was never who I was. I feel like when I became or got into involved involved into like the gang lifestyle, I believe I was just programmed and lost myself all the time, I was programmed by my environment and letting them letting them tell me this is who I am. And I just was tired of people judging the book by its cover instead of actually getting to know me. I was tired of waking up every day and just seeing the same cycle of like, you grew up in the ghetto, you see people have dreams, and they grew up, and they selling drugs on the block, and it, the, the cycle continues. And I was just tired of seeing that, so I had to realize like, if you want to see change, you really have to like, stand up, even go against what you once knew, even if people hate what you do. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to see change, you got to stand up strong. So that's what made me really want to like stand up and really use my voice to show kids another way instead of the way that we see right now in the ghetto that's leading kids to destruction. So that's why I really became the, uh, the voice. Yeah, and you that's why I got you on, on the underdog talk because you're an underdog. Like, don't judge a book by its cover. Just because I came from this place don't mean that's me, don't mean that's, you know, how I think. And I think a lot of times people are in those environments and their mindset is in that environment. Yeah. When your mindset's not in that environment and it's a little further, you can figure out, okay, I need to do this. I don't need to go down this. I don't need to hang out with them. But like you said, you get connected to it. Like, I never really got into gangs. I never, I just, I don't know. That just didn't, I didn't, it just didn't, it didn't look cool. I was like, I oh, know. And plus, like, people look at me and be like, okay, you got short arms. What you talking about? Like, I'm from around the way. Like, I'm from a small town, Michigan City, and they didn't treat everybody knew everybody, so it wasn't like people was treating me you no know, different than anybody. You know, I had my ups and downs, but I was like, no, that don't really look cool. I didn't really sell drugs until I got to college, and that's because my mama couldn't send me no money. Yeah. And that's kind of like people don't understand that sometimes we got to do stuff where we ain't supposed to do it. It's not right, but that's all we know. And that's all, like, hey, mom ain't come in, okay, we can work this job, but we can make some fast money and make enough money doing this. And it was like uh, little Baby said in a song, uh, we used to take TVs, now we got TVs in the bathroom. That's where you want to be. Like, sometimes you have to do what you have to do, and people don't understand that coming from that environment. So I, I heard you hoop. I see that you hoop. Was, was you good? Was you like, yeah. was, you, was you all right? Was you like, what, what was you like in hooping? Um, I think I'm pretty good. I think anybody's gonna speak highly of themselves, but 
I think I'm pretty good. I just use it as an opportunity. That was my way out, basically. Like, I, I mean, I was like, well, if I don't want to be this, I gotta find something that's gonna help me make it. And that was basketball. So I practice, but I think I'm pretty good. Okay. 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 I was just checking, you know, because everybody said they can hoop. Like you said, everybody speak highly of themselves. Um, so was basketball something that you started like young, or was it like you caught on to it uh, like later in life? No, I started young. Um, I played on my first team in fourth grade with one and two. So yeah, I started very young. Okay. So so was that the was that the first? tool you would say that you kind of like that you kind of use to like okay this kind of i can maybe get out or was it actual school because i i see that you're kind of smart you you know you're going to school to get your phd you're not just saying that you want to help uh the community you're actually putting in the work behind the scenes and doing that so was it like sports first or was it like you always like oh no nah, i'm gonna be smart um it was when i was growing up it, was, it wasn't really education because honestly, I didn't really see myself in the high because everybody around me was just gangbanging and selling drugs. So I just used basketball as a tool, so I would practice. It was a, it was a place called the Cage, the basketball court in some place. Mm-hmm. I used to go over there and just shoot. Okay, so that's kind of like me. I I I ain't like school, like not at all. I graduated with a one point seven, like horrible in school, and I'm a teacher. Makes no sense, but it makes sense to me now. But it didn't make sense at first. So when did that change for you? Like, all right, I really need to get an education. Like, I really need to get on my books. Was it an incident happened, or it was just like you just was like, okay, I need to, I need to change. Um, no, it was my uncle. So my dad's brother. My dad wasn't there, but I was at my uncle. And since I was a kid, he always, he always would say, you need to get the education. That place was powerful. And as a kid, I wasn't really listening. So he, so he would always tell me. So eventually, I realized like education is really powerful. It can get you indoors, that other things can get you in. And I started to really understand the importance behind it. So when you did, what was your first thought of what you wanted to go to school for? Or did it change a couple of times? Because, you know, as kids, we, I want to do this, and then I want to do that, and, you know, it changed. Or was, have you stuck with what you said you was going to do from the get-go? No, nah, it changed over time. That's when I, like, I, I teach the kids, let them know, like, at the end of the day, you don't always have it together because you don't know who you are. You don't flip all the time. Like I, I got in school um, because I met a man named TV who encouraged me to go back. I went back. I didn't know what I was going for. So I just went for creative writing. I realized that this is not what I want to do. And as like 2019, as I really started to get into my passion, like I never knew that I would be on this journey. Um, that's when I got into it. I found the true church Christ, and I started to get closer to my journey or to my passion. I realized, all right. Psychology is what I want to do. I'm fascinated with the brain. I studied the brain. I've been studying it for like five years on my own. So I was like, you might as well go further with it and get your education. That's dope. I love that. Like, because I, even though like I'm a teacher, like I don't, I didn't think about going to school, but I I understand the importance of education, like self education, like doing these podcasts or speaking or whatever I'm doing outside of my nine to five, like you gotta educate yourself. Yeah. If you don't, you're not gonna be successful. It could like basketball. Like if you didn't study basketball, you wouldn't know how to play. Like it's little things. Like I was telling my nephew and my son, um, my nephews and my son yesterday, I was like, y'all ain't gonna be able to beat us or be as good as us until you guys understand that you have an IQ like us. And I'm like, it's little stuff that you got to do. That's why, like, 
as a I'm not an old head, but to kids, I'm I'm 36, so they gonna be like, oh yeah, he an old head. But I understand why the old dudes could hoop because it's little stuff that they yeah. knew how to do. They didn't have to have the speed or nothing, but you gotta have some type of education. So since you've been on this journey of learning the mind, what are some things that like you thought was right in life and then you like learned some stuff and was like, what the heck was I doing? What I thought was right? Yeah, like as you learn and you, you know, as you go, cause you learn from your environment or your experiences, you know, mostly and then in school. Um, I think what I thought was right was what I was honoring those kids. The system that I was born into, I believe that was right until when I found the true church. I had a lady who took me under her wing, and she, and I, I was able to step outside and look in and realize that I was really born into like a good life structure. That's when I realized that like, this is wrong. So that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and I think as as anybody goes on their journey, like when you had those aha moments, you'd be like, man, I really was thinking that the whole time, <laughs> and it's like, dang, and it's because your environment, because. You know, you got your friends, you got your your parents, you got your uncles, your aunties. Everybody think the same way because we're stuck in this environment. And it comes from way back before our time. It was like they put us in a trap, and it's really a trap until you realize you don't have to keep going in a circle. You don't have to, you know, rob, steal, sell drugs to be successful or even play sports. Yeah. It's like I would... I know kids that are like at least six two or taller, like hate being asked, "Do you play sports?" No, I don't. I'm just smart. Like I got a cousin, he's six three. Man can't play a lick of sports, but he's smart as all get up. But people gonna think, oh, because he's tall, or because you from the hood, oh, she can fight. You might can't ain't got no type of hands. You might not ain't never gotten a fight because you avoided it. But you're able to think outside of that parameter and think like, okay, this isn't the way to go. So when you made that that shift, did you lose some friends? And I'm not talking about losing from violence or anything of that. I'm talking about like, you know, you, you had, them was your homies and y'all not as tight as I was because your mind changed and maybe theirs didn't. Um, I lost all my friends, including family members. They all gone. So everybody around me is three years plus or a year plus now. Yeah. So how did that, how did, how did that make you feel like all right, you on this journey, you doing what's right, you know, you're changing your life, and everybody going. How does that, like, inside, like, how, how did that make you feel at first? Because I know it don't probably affect you now, but at first, like, dang, where, where everybody at? Um, honestly, I don't think it really affected me. Because um, when I first got on this journey, I did, the first people that I targeted to help was my neighborhood. But I had to realize, like, when you really start to grow, you start to, you know, I feel like the first start of growth comes from the way that you think. Once your form of thinking starts to change, you separate from people that you started with in different beings. And not everybody is going to grow. You're going to lose people because this life is all about growth. And you got to accept that. But you're going to one day wake up and nobody's going to be around you that you just went through. That's so true. And I think a lot of people, especially younger people, and I don't know why I keep saying younger, like you're not like young as I thought, you're yeah. older, but you still, you know, you speak to the younger generation. But, like, you're not going to, like, the friends you got in elementary school, the friends you got in middle school, the friends you got in high school, the friends you got anywhere, technical difficulties. 
friends you got anywhere aren't going to help you in life. Yeah. They're, they're not going to help you or they're not going to go with you in life. Like Nipsey said. Nipsey said it best. Like, everybody ain't going to go. And it's tough because it's like I'm older and I got friends that been my friends for a minute. It's like they might not go with me. Yeah. And it's like they go on their own journey. I want. I hope they go on their own journey and be down the path that I'm on. But it's like they not going to go. And it's tough to be like, man, how do I let this or how do I change this relationship or what do I do with it? And you have to, though. Like, you got to let people go and you got to let certain things go. So, I see you got a book, right? Yeah. That's dope. I got a, I got, I'm a co-author in a book. Um, I did it when I first started speaking. And it was dope to be an author. So, to be, uh, man, hold on, Pioneers. Uh, I gotta, I'm gotta. i gonna find it. I can't remember. That's how long ago it was. It's like I did it. I had that little boom and I never went back to it. Like I just did it to say that I was an author really at that point. So I, I'm gonna find it when we get off here and uh, I'll tell you. Um, but so you wrote a, you wrote a book. I, I didn't really write the book. I um, spoke the book and then they translated for me because my writing skills, my writing skills is good. Yeah, my writing skills is good, but I talk better than I write. So that was even dope to do that, to even understand that I could talk and make a book. So when you when you went through that process, how was it for you? It was hard, honestly, um, because I was telling my life story. So as I was telling my life story, I was involving people in my family, even though I didn't say their names. Yeah. So I was telling, exposing my life. And so yeah. that, I faced a lot of, like, a lot of issues, a lot of, like, negative remarks and everything. Yeah, and I, I understand that because, like, I feel like as I go on my journey, I was like, I tell stories. Like, am I not supposed to tell these stories because these people was in there? I mean, you was in there it's in the past. It's not like I'm telling a lie or I'm making something up. I won't say your name, but if you feel some type of way, then maybe you should listen to what I'm saying. And yeah, overlook, listen, look at the lesson. Yeah. And not feel attacked. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's crazy that those people felt that way. Um, because it's like, dang, I can't even tell my story without you feeling some type of way. What about how I feel? Like, you know, and people don't realize that. And I'm sure it's like, oh, you young, like, oh, no, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Or people will say you a certain type of way because you're living your life, but your purpose is for you. Yeah. So you gotta, you can't never let that stop you. So you said it was hard. What was hard besides that part, the negative part? Was the actual writing hard? Was coming up with the stories? Was when you came up with the stories, you know, they brought some type of emotion? Like, what was hard for you? Um, I don't really think it was hard. I just I feel like one of the hardest parts was I wrote it and I believe it three times in accident. So I had to rewrite it over and over again. But other than that, I feel like it went smoothly. Uh, it wasn't really hard at all. It was just my story. So, I, it was just so the hard part was really the negative feedback that you got from folks. So I feel you on that. So you didn't go, did you ever have any moments where like um, when you was writing, it was like an emotional time or it was like, I'm letting this pain out and I'm getting it out and I'm good? Um, some stories I thought about sharing, which I did, um, but no, I really, I never really had no emotions connected to it. It was like me finally setting myself free and allowing the world to, I really wrote the book because the purpose behind it was Basically, let outsiders 
see the bigger picture of kids and poverty, so they wouldn't judge them. So people, a lot of people judge me, but they never knew who I was, and that was the opportunity, and it opened up books to really get into my mind to see who I truly am as a person, not what they think or what people created. And That's very true. I'm a teacher, and, like, you see, like, you know, I can connect with kids. I can see they from around the way or they dealing with stuff, and it's like, Teachers don't understand that that's not from that culture. Yeah. You yelling at them, you doing all this, or you that 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 don't yelling don't mean nothing. You know how many times we get yelled at at home? Yeah. Well, okay, whoop de do. <laughs> like so, I understand kids, and it's like teachers be like, dang, it took me a while for them to connect with me. I look like them. I understand them. Yeah, like I, I can go joke with them, or like I might notice, hey, right, hey, here here go a couple of extra snacks. Or something like that, or just I'm I'm the teacher, I'm the dude that hey, where your coat at? I don't see you for a coat for a minute. Hey, what size they wear? I need to get them a coat because like what's going on? Like I ain't gonna go ask the mama nothing. They just gonna come home with a coat. Like that's just or a backpack or anything. Like because I understand I'm a parent, but as a parent, it's like nah, my kids come my my kids come first, so I don't get it, but I do get it. Yeah. So it's like. People don't get it when they don't understand the culture of kids because some kids got it harder than I had it. And even though I have a disability, that still don't matter to what certain kids dealt with. And it's like when you take thought into a young person, like they going through something. Like, so mental health wise, growing up in this area, now you know about mental health. What do you think your mental health, where, what level was your mental health growing up? Now that you know about mental health. Um, it was very, I was depressed for years. Um, and also, I was picked on growing up by a lot of people around me, my friends, my family, people in school. So I feel like that did a lot of damage to my mental to the point where as I got older, when a person bothered me, I would personally go after that person to make them feel what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And I would basically want to hurt them badly. So my mental, I was in a very dark spot in my life. I was very suicidal and everything. So that that environment, just going through stuff like that, can really like break you down for it. Yeah. I, uh, I had two suicidal moments, or suicidal like thought moments and actually attempted as a kid because I was bullied, I was, I didn't like school, and it was like, so I understand where you're coming from. It's like, I want to harm this person. Like, I'm the type of person, like, I've thought of, like, certain stuff that I would do to harm a person if they ever, like, tried me, or just, like, I want to harm, like, and it, it sounds bad, but it's like, you, you push me to that point that I really want to harm you, and I should be thinking like this, that I want to harm you like this. And people don't understand it because they don't get bullied or they don't get picked on. Because um, my biological dad died, so I had my sister's dad. And his family all about grades. And, oh, what you get in your report card? Like, that, don't, that don't matter to me. I don't care about school, and I don't care what you think about my report card. But people would, you know, pick on me because I didn't get good grades or I wasn't didn't look like I had a future. But I'm pretty sure... I'm just as successful as all the other family members or more or doing something more impactful than all the rest of them. But people don't see that and it's not for them to see. And it's like, I'm sure you can look back on your life and be like, I see why I'm kind of the way I am. I remember being that way as a kid. Like I always talk, I talk a lot. And I realize why I talk a lot. 
<laughs> so it's like I understand the depression, the like really like fuck life. Yeah. Like I I remember is um, Lil Wayne had the song "Fuck the World." I used to listen to that song because I'd be like, man, fuck the world, like skip everybody and everything, like. But it's like, what's the point of that? And then as you get older, it's like, man, when you say fuck the world, it's like, fuck them. Like, I ain't going to listen to them. I don't got to listen to nothing nobody say. So as you um, going through your journey, I um, read that you live with your grandma. How was that? How was that living? Because you see that a lot in our community, kids living with their grandma. So how was it living with grandma? Um, it was cool. I was spoiled. She had a lot of grandkids, but she put me on the pedestal. So I feel like, at the same time, I kind of got messed up because the way that she raised me made me believe I can do whatever I want. And that's not how life is. But other than that, it was cool. She used to drink a lot. Um, she had a drinking problem. She was sickness, so I experienced that. But other than that, um, I don't know. I just stayed in my head a lot. So I got there. I came back. I wouldn't say I was raised with my grandparents, but I lived, I, we were there. Like, we didn't go with our dad on the weekend. We didn't have a weekend dad. We went to, with him sometimes during the week. So every weekend we was there. And my grandma, like, yeah, they was cool. I was the favorite out of everybody. I don't know why. Even out of her own kids, like, I was her favorite. But I, I like, it just, it was crazy because, like, living with my grandma, she was out of tune. She never had a cell phone. She she died maybe my son's going on nine so maybe six or seven years ago she never had a cell phone she never was hip to like anything with the internet so it was like you got the old school feeling from her and you kind of learned some stuff from her so what would say your biggest lesson you learned from your grandma the biggest lesson I learned from my grandma is to never pick up liquor that's that's the biggest lesson I learned from her uh, because I seen what it did to her and it made me stay away. I, I feel you. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. And I got to that point. I drink a little bit every now and then, but um, I know everybody like in my family was alcoholics, drinkers, and I had two like hangover. You know the movie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I had that in real life, and so it was like, no, I can't do that. Like I can't. Like I've had moments where people had to tell me what happened. I don't remember, and I'm like, no, that can't happen. So I don't really drink anymore because I seen what it did to my family. So I understand that part too. Um, who was your biggest influencer growing up? Uh, my auntie, my dad, brother. And so, what made him that influential person in your life that kind of kept you on the spit, uh, straight and narrow? Um, he pointed something out that my environment wasn't pointing out. He let me know I was smart. All my environment was destroying me. Um, he just lifted me up when my environment was trying to pull me down. One of the quotes that he gave was, uh, stars are meant to be in the sky. And he would, he would just say, like, you never seen a star come from dead wood, stuff like that. So, um, I always move towards him just to offer that definition of him lifting me up. Yeah, that's dope. That's, that's dope. So, how's school? How's that going for you? Is it, is it easy? Is it hard? What's going on? You think, it seems like, you go through a lot of stuff and it it's hard for you, but it doesn't phase you. So, how is school for you? Uh, school is easy. I mean, if I put in work, I'm cool. It's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> it can be hard, but when it can be hard, I got tutors and stuff. I got, I got support that I can use. So, this school is going good right now. So, uh, what would you say your biggest 
um, challenge in school is and then what would you say your biggest strength that you have uh, that helps you in school? Uh, my biggest challenge would be um, being able to just focus on because I can, the professor can be talking and I'll be going out and I struggle with that. But one of my biggest strengths is just being able to connect with um, the professors that I have and they, they like give me like they can but like the work that they give is like it helps me think. So I think that's one of my strengths as a connection to be able to express myself. So I think we over skipped the book part. So what's the book tell us what the name of the book is and tell us like you said it's about your life but like what what would someone what's people get from reading that book? Um my the book is Shoes on a Wire. Um, slang down, O-N-A. Um, and one of the, like, the biggest lessons people can get is it's always light at the end of the tunnel. No matter, like, what you pass on and what you've been through, you can always make it out and become more, and you don't have to let what you've been through define who you are as a person. That's definitely true, because I'm definitely a living testimony to that. And that's why I have certain people get on and uh, come on the show, because you're a successful underdog. You came from the streets. You had to deal with all kind of stuff. You, I've seen you lost plenty of close friends. Like you didn't have the idea of life, but you haven't stopped that. Um, let that stop you from going after your dreams and goals. So I actually thought she was like twenty two. Like I don't know, because I read, I was reading the thing, and then it was made it seem like you had like graduated recently. So I'm like, okay, so she like got to be like young. But no, you're older than that. I, I don't tell the woman's age, you know. So, being um, where you're at, what is your top two goals of what you want to accomplish this year with what you're doing on your journey? Um, one of my goals that I want to accomplish is getting some form of connection with the city for Brentwood. To really like redevelop it without having to knock it down and create a certain image over it that's gonna create an identity that stands for something that's strong. Um, my second um, goal is basically to get into doors and get into like connect with other people who are on bigger levels than me to really get my voice heard. So I came down with like very powerful people. So that's my two goals. So, what do you? I know you, you you speak you go you know you talk but what do you actually do to help the community? What are the things that you say that you put the action in behind what you say that you do to help the community on the last few years of your journey? Um, besides, like just telling your story. Um, I work with the youth. Um, I started to mentor kids on Brentwood. They always um, I work at a school. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm more hands-on. I work on the education system, I create systems, give it to people. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Um, but that's what I'm pushing to do. I, I love it. I love it because sometimes people um, just be like, oh, this person got a dope story. No, this person is actually dope because they're actually putting in the footwork. Like you going back to the schools, you're helping young people, you're mentoring because a lot of young people need young mentors a lot of young people need young teachers like um not having a lot of black males in the school really hurt 
Yeah. But I listen. I'm a teacher. I, I listen. I understand the, the little the little joke is bad. Yeah, <laughs> they bad for real. But you still gotta fight through it. So I love everything that you're doing um, with the community uh, and going to school to get your PhD because you don't really hear that a lot. Like even like people going to college from around the way, you don't hear people saying they're going for their PhD. You're like, oh, I'm going for my master's, I'm going for my bachelor's. Like, that's about it. But you're going for that. Um, what is the goal with that? Is it to get it to say you accomplished something or is it to get it to get you better opportunities? Um, it's to get it to create a different image over community, like cultural or just in the ghettos in general to see like, all right, the world say we're supposed to be like this, but, it, but this is who we are. So I'm trying to reshape the images of ghettos. And I'm also trying to get it to like, really like understand the brain so I can create better systems for kids in poverty or poverty schools who are struggling to help them thrive in academics and behavior. So that's, that's really the goal behind what I'm doing. You ever, uh, you ever think of having your own school? I actually, that's one of my goals, to create my own school. Like, somebody from my church just reminded me about it. They just asked me, like, so what about the school you created? How far you got? So, yeah, that's, that's something in my head that I want to do. Yeah, because I think as I'm listening to you, been having a conversation, and education is very important, and you going back, and it's not saying that you even have to be in a school, but you being able to open that door for kids, and they can see somebody that look like them, and then once they hear their story, like, oh, okay, she, she from, oh, okay, I can do yeah. it. Cause, and that's really what it's all about. I think um, once I heard this, somebody said, when you speak, when you're doing stuff, you're talking to your old self. So you're really looking at, like, who you were, why you were making those decisions, and you go back and you speak to your old self. That's what you're doing. You don't, you might not have realized it, but you're speaking to your old self. You're speaking to that young girl that might needed somebody to come and talk to them and say the right things uh, to help them go a different path or not take a couple of years off their journey because they went down the wrong road or they was hanging with that person. So I always ask my guests, I need three tips uh, for, for young people that's in the ghetto. Yeah. They, 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 they want to get out. They got some dreams in their head. They might have wrote them down, but and, but they don't really know what to do. They need three tips when they listen to this episode of what they can do to get out together. Well, one way, make sure I tell you got out the um, it was deeper than chasing money. It was the battle within myself. And when I found the true church of Christ, giving my life to Jesus, you know, um, following God's word, that's when everything started to change. Um, and I feel like after that, um, that's when I was able to overcome everything that I was, I was battling. Another tip is make your mind up. That's what I did when I was in the ghetto. Well, living on Post Road, growing up on Post Road, everybody around me was selling crap, going to jail. I chose to pick up a basketball and I said, basically, I, I don't want that. Even though this is the, what the neighborhood is offering, I feel I believe it's more like than this. Even though I don't know what's out there, I'm going to go and see. Um, what, what is going to hurt to even try to go see? So I picked up the basketball, made my mind up and said, I'm not going to sell drugs, I'm not going to gain, well, I did kind of gain game, but I'm not going to follow after the ways of my environment, but I'm going to do things that's going to help me 
elevate in this life. So continue to make your mind up and go towards what you want to do in this life. Three is um, learn to separate. Learn to not allow your environment to define who you are and know that it's cool to be the smart kid, to be the kid who sits in front of the class and wants to do amazing things. And, like, you know, just do great things and, like, don't allow your environment where you come from to pull you back in just to be accepted by them. Yeah, that's the ones that, those are three tips that I use myself. Uh, I love that first one, like you said. You had to get in the church. Like, yeah. like I remember I grew up in the church. Like, when I say I grew up, my mama used to drop us off before the deacon would open the doors. Like, <laughs> that's how. But as you get older, you get away. Yeah, and I remember uh, the divorce, and uh, I had an apartment. I had nothing. I had clothes. That's it. I ain't had no couch. I ain't had no bed. I had cover and a pillow. And I remember it was a church. And I used to go there, and I'm like, it reminded me of my church from home. And I just used to walk. I used to walk around and go to church. And that's when, like, I got closer with God. And it's like, people, you know, I don't know what everybody got different beliefs, but, like, when you got that relationship with God, and you put him first, like, your life changed. Like, I, I, people be like, oh, it, it didn't change right away. It ain't going to change right away. You ain't getting your situation right away. Like, if you, you were skinny, you ain't get fat overnight. Like, yeah. <laughs> so God going to help you if you just be consistent. And one thing I would say to you is just be keep being consistent because life going to come. The devil going to come. Yeah. Like, when you start doing stuff and you start winning, the devil going to, hey, what's up? No, you <laughs> thought you was going. And, and you can't let it get you. <laughs> you can't. Like, my mom was just telling me that because the first person I was supposed to have on here, something happened, got the wrong address, and they didn't. You know, show up and my mom was like, that's just the devil. You see, you got, you know, I went from having an iPhone, not even an iPhone, an Android. Now I'm in a studio and it's like, okay, now I'm in here. Now all type of stuff going to happen. So yeah. on your, along your journey, beware that the devil going to pop his head up and the devil going to be somebody close to you. Um, you might not never thought it's going to be in business. You got to just watch, you know, watch what you're doing because people are definitely gonna come for you because you you trying to change the world you something different you're not the typical person that's from the hood um like we you know we act a certain way we talk a certain way like you got a condominer i'm definitely louder than you like you you probably <laughs> one of them people that was quiet but be somebody else wouldn't you no i wasn't a fighter i was um, quiet but i feel like people would like look at me like oh yeah she's weak and they're constantly bothering me, but when I have to stand up on myself, they catch them off guard. Yeah. They expect it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we about the same size. I'm a little bigger. <laughs> and so I know you a little light, but I know you probably probably got hands. But so I need a quote. I don't know if it's your quote, if it's a quote you read, um, quote you live by, but I always ask a guest for a quote. Quote? Um, oh, no, just be true to who you are. And never let the world turn you to something that, you know, that's not who you are. Because the world is very cold, and it can break you, but always stay true to yourself, and allow the scripture and the Bible to shape who you are, not the world. Yeah, that's, I almost was about to say, uh, that's the end of the show, because the scriptures is, is where it's at. Like, when you look at, when you start looking at the Bible from your own understanding, and what you want to get from it, you look at it totally different. Like, I'm used to, I'm looking at it, these big words, these names, I don't know. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? 
And then I look, I started reading Proverbs, and I was like, this is really like a blueprint of life of what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to act. And it changed my thoughts of reading the Bible. So she's definitely right on that. Like, don't just pray. Don't just, you know, um, go to church, but actually get in your word. So let the listeners know how they can reach you um, and what you got going next. Uh, how y'all can reach me is on social media. I got a TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. My name is Nation Clay, N-A-S-H-A-N-C-L-A-Y. But the next thing I have right now is just really focusing on education, trying to get into the door with the different people. Yeah. yeah, that's just me. Uh, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you for overcoming your adversities, overcoming the image that people put on those that come from the ghetto, the, uh, especially females. Um, so thank you for like overcoming that because you're going to help not just Brentwood, but you're going to help people all over the world um, once people find out who you are and definitely going to share this out, definitely share it out to help so people can learn about your story. Because um, you are, you know, bigger than me. You was on the news and everything. Like, sit down on the couch. Like, I, you know, I, I always wanted, I'm, I'm that person, like, because you know how they put the people that's autistic or have a little disability, and they shoot the shot, and they all on social media. I was that person. Yeah. They let me, they let me play in ninth grade. I made three threes. Everybody on the other team was six feet or taller. Mm-hmm. I was four nine, and I wasn't even 100 pounds. There's no cameras back then. There was none of that. So I'd be looking at it like, I'm supposed to be on ESPN. So uh, what's his name? Hanson, Hudson or Hanson, the dude with one arm. I I'm, I'm, I'm praying he get to the league. I don't care if he only play one game just because he would represent a, a bigger community than what people would even understand. Yeah. So you're and you're the same way. You're representing a community that people don't understand. Like It's not your fault that you grew up that way. It's not your fault that you went through the things you did and you never let it stop you. You never like, okay, I was I was born here, I'm supposed to do this. No, you, you, you went a different route. So I applaud you for that. So um always I'm still trying to figure out how to say like not have a closing word because I sound like church. <laughs> but uh give us a few words before we get out of here. All right, to everybody who's watching, make sure you go support him, everything that he does. Um, believe in yourself. Never stop believing in yourself. Every time you fall, get back up. Just keep pushing. You know, life is hard. We all have struggles. We all going through something. But we all pushing. You know, we got each other. Nobody is different. No matter the color you are, where you come from, you still human at the end of the day. So we just, we need each other. And on that note, peace. One love. <laughs>